Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. Thank you for joining today's episode of Equipped to Be. Today, we're going to talk about seven tips for listening. Uh, Listening in in reference specifically to your teen, but it could be applied, the principles actually could be applied to a friend or your spouse if you're married or someone that you work with. Have you ever had one of your children just kind of blurt out, you don't listen to me? I know, I mean, I know we've probably said to our kids a million times, listen to me, I'm trying to tell you something. You know, sometimes they do the same thing. So today's episode, we're going to focus on what you can do to become a better listener for your teens so that they feel heard and understood. Now, in episode 14, I talked to my friend Jackie Bruton. If you haven't listened to episode 14, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Again, we talked about listening, but that was in reference to reminding you and telling you and explaining that your kids do want to talk to you although sometimes they say that they don't. And then I spoke with Dr. Kathy Cook, had her on the program, and I had her on the program, and and again, we talked about listening. The more feedback I get from you, the more I've realized this is a very important topic. I get more questions and comments about listening, which kind of is no surprise. Uh, I think out of my book, Parenting Beyond the Rules, The most popular topics are monitoring your mouth and listen up. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. You know, in a world of nonstop chatter, you will be well served by being all ears when your child talks, especially right now. I have been asked to write numerous articles on listening, the art of listening, how to listen and understand. I just all sorts of articles, all relating to that uh, specific thing. And you know, we really need to be focused on listening to learn, to listening to resolve conflict, and listening to recognize hindrances. So we're going we're gonna to think about that. Listen to learn, listen to resolve conflict, and listen to recognize hindrances. Why does that matter, especially, you know, as we think about listening up? Well, when you're starting this process, as with anything, you have to be very intentional. You have to practice. You have to be um, a student of it, actually. You've got to give it time and attention. And in order to do that, requires intentional practice. So what do we do? Well, we have to start by identifying the goal of listening. So the goal of listening is to learn about your kids, their thoughts, their feelings, the hidden, the hidden conversations or insecurities they might, be, they might be struggling with. We're not listening so that we could figure out what we can do for your kids. It's listening so that you can figure out what's going on with them. Very big difference. 
because that is the goal. You know, there wasn't a a perfect question when I was raising my children that I could ask. There had to be a strategy that worked every time. And this was it. Let them talk. Pay attention to their point of view. It didn't matter how different each of my children were from each other. If I focused on learning, they would open up and they would share information with me. It was that way when they were tweens. It was that way when they were in their early teens. And it continued that way through all of their teen years and even for many of them into college. The minute I went into fix-it mode or lecture mode, I could guarantee you the conversation would end. Remember, let them talk and pay attention to their point of view. Now, more than ever, at the time of this podcast, we are facing um, massive disruptions. And if you live abroad, because I know I have many listeners from around the world, if you're listening to this from another country, you're still, you're still dealing with the same thing. Because the whole world was struck with a massive disruption, which has caused turmoil, especially within teens. Their world was flipped upside down. But my teens, you know, like millions of others, they desired to have some independence and to try to handle life on their own. But sometimes life can be bigger than what they can handle. So it wasn't my job to make sure that nothing went wrong. They wanted to see that I was interested in them and not just their problem. And we've talked about this different times along the way. Uh, throughout the podcast. And it is interesting to me how God just keeps bringing me back to this. I wrote about this in Parenting Beyond the Rules. You know, we're in a world of nonstop chatter. But you will be well served by being all ears when your child talks. Just be patient. When your teen is trying to explain, they're not going to get it right the first time. Not most of them. They'll fumble with their words. They'll fumble with how they express what they mean. If you're a certain personality type, and you know Equipped to Be is all about discovering your unique gifts, strengths, and talents, and then developing them. Well, some personality types uh, always have to be right, and they hang on every word you say. And if you say the wrong word, Maybe it's not even wrong, but you say a word and you realize that's not exactly what you meant, then oftentimes you never, the the hearer, aka that parent, never lets you move from that word. If you're that parent and your child doesn't say it just the right way, or they say it and they think about it and they're like, nah, it's kind of like scratch that. I think I want to say it this way. When that happens, if you keep driving home what they said the first time as being the absolute, oh, you you said that's what you said, that must be what you mean, you're going to miss it and you're going to blow the relationship because teens do not always articulate what they mean on the first go round. And, you know, I'm going to be really honest with you. We adults, we can do the same thing. If we're really frustrated by something, or we're trying to solve a problem or work something out that 
is a struggle for us and we try to explain. Maybe when you're trying to explain something that's going on in a relationship and you're trying to get that other person to understand, your teen, you're trying, your teen's trying to get you to understand. And they're trying to think of how they can say things in a way that you're going to understand what's going on in their heart. Now, I know right now, many of you are thinking, oh my gosh, she's, it's, this is so complicated. Well, it is, but it isn't. What's your relationship worth? What's the long-term impact that you want to have on your child's life? What's the long-term impact you want to have in your marriage if you're married, in your work relationships, in your friendships? So you've got to realize that it does take many people a good bit of time to kind of formulate what it is they want to say. There are some people, their personality is very, very deliberate, and that may be your child. They're, they don't say much because they're thinking it through. They want to say just the right word at just the right time so that it has full clarity and understanding. Well, that is, the, that is not the normal. That would be the exception. And if you have a child like that or if you're, you know, have other relationships like that, that's fabulous because they're less likely to make a misstep. But if you don't, you're going to have to have grace with that child. You're going to have to let them kind of walk it out, trial and error. They take a few steps. They say a few words, and that's not the right word. They want to go back and readdress it. Well, how do you let them? I remember, um, I will never forget an argument that I had with my son. Uh, it was, we just had a misunderstanding about something and we were driving to the doctor to get his wisdom teeth extracted. <laughs> um, he, you know, he was associated with, um, some things that had gone on and I heard about it. So I, you know, I did the fatal thing. Moms and dads, you know what that is. I assumed first mistake. I assumed Maybe he was involved with it. So as we were driving to the doctor, because you know I often talk about when you are having an in-depth conversation, especially with a tween, and it's a hard conversation, sometimes driving to a place or driving home from a place where both of you are looking forward and not into each other's eyes, sometimes that can be the best way to have uh, a conversation because they, they let their guard down a little bit more and they'll be a little more transparent. Well, I, um, when we were driving, I asked him this question, and I had just assumed, like I said, and I wanted just to get to the bottom of it. So I wanted to just like do this quickly because we had things to do. We had to accomplish much. We didn't have time to mull it over, and I didn't have time to think of all the nice ways I could possibly phrase things and how I could kind of get to the bottom line quickly. I just wanted to get to the bottom line. I went straight to accusation and then blame. I skipped all the in-between steps. Well, if you're listening, you're probably going, I've done that too. You know how that went. It didn't. It did not go well. It did not go well at all. Because the more I talked, the more defensive he became. The more defensive he became, the more upset I got. You see the cycle that we can enter into? We've got to break that cycle. It didn't take long uh, before I was in full-blown lecture mode. I could tell by his body language that he had checked out of the conversation. Then he told me he wasn't going to keep talking if I didn't do a better job of listening. 
Whoa. Now that can take you back, can't it? Here you're trying to get somewhere, and all of a sudden, you're stopped dead in your tracks because the very thing you want to know is the very thing that they're gonna that your child will say, I'm going to withhold from you, and that is information. See, your teens are not always mature enough to handle when we go or we jump to conclusion or we make an assumption because we didn't take the time that was needed to ask the right questions and to slowly gather information. It does take time. Listening well. See, you have to know your child well. What is their character? What are they known for? You know, unfortunately, uh, that, that taught me a lot that day about being in a hurry, about not listening fully, about making a, a wrong assumption. He just shut down and quit talking. And then I realized, that's it. Conversation is over. Have you ever had that happen to you? I bet. I bet you have. So I, I didn't stop the car, but I did stop talking. And we sat in silence for a little while. And then... As I was sitting there, I just kept praying and asking the Lord to help me settle down and to step back and help me re-enter this conversation in a healthy way. And I did. So I started off with, hey, I just realized what I did. I was doubting you. I didn't give you the benefit of the doubt. I made an assumption. And I know that uh, made your defenses go up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I approached that conversation. Then I followed it up with, would you forgive me? See, parents, we need to ask our kids or our spouse or our friends to forgive us when we have unintentionally done something that has hurt or stymied a conversation. That shows that you care about the other person, that they're valuable, that they're worth it. After I asked forgiveness, he, he gave it to me. And then I just looked at him and I said, hey, do you mind if we start over? We only have a few minutes left, but, you know, could we just start over? And thankfully, you know, he was humble enough to admit like his wrong as well. And forgiveness was given. And I always say, when forgiveness is asked, forgiveness is granted. Period. No condition. When forgiveness is asked or requested, forgiveness is granted. When you ask forgiveness of your kids and they forgive you, then accept it. If your kids ask forgiveness of you, then grant them forgiveness. And don't hold it over them and don't bring it back up. So I just kind of stepped back and I asked, hey, what were the factors that led to this? What made you go along? You know, did your, did your conscience bother you? Now, bear in mind, this wasn't, this wasn't some horrible issue. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't remember what it, it was. He probably does, but I don't remember what it was because the point of it wasn't what I had thought he had done. The point was that as a parent, as the mature one, as the adult in the room or in the car, I didn't handle that right. And that was the most important thing because I wanted my kids to know, I want others to know that I have listening ears and that I will take the time 
to get to where we're trying to go with our conversation or our relationship. So when we listen to learn, we can discern the right questions to ask so we can go deeper. You know, we empower our teens and others when we speak the truth and we answer honestly and when we ask questions that facilitate transparent responses. There are seven tips that will help you in listening. Now, remember what I shared with you. We're going to listen to learn, listen to resolve conflict, and recognizing the hindrances that we have to listening. And why does that matter? Because our goal is building a relationship, building trust, having influence, and making an impact in your child's life or the lives around you, whether it's we're talking about a child here or your marriage or friends. And I apply that to all of them because as I, when I was, you know, wherever I work, whatever clients I'm working with, um, one of the major factors that you have to implement in everything that you do involves listening. If you don't understand what the task is before you, you don't really know where to take off. You can just take off in the wrong direction, which is kind of what I did with my son on that day. So here's the seven points. And again, this can apply to a relationship with your teen or your adult children. I do this with my adult children. My spouse, ask. Ask them if they feel listened to. So I hope you're writing that down. If you've been working on having like good communication, they will let you know. Sometimes they will express the need politely, and sometimes it may come up in the middle of an argument. As I do throughout the book of Parenting Beyond the Rules, you know, after 34 years of parenting, you build up quite a book of stories, <laughs> stories from your children and stories from your own uh, shortcomings and successes. But I really came at this uh, many years, I mean, really early into um, my parenting was that what I had to do in business I had to do in my family. It didn't mean the family business was more important than family, but I learned some rich principles and I applied them to my parenting and it enhanced all of the relationships to this day with my kids. So ask them if they feel listened to and then be prepared. And as they are telling you, whether it is in the heat of an argument or whether it is, they will just gently say, yeah, uh, you do this, and it's really hard when I'm trying to talk to you, when you do X, Y, Z. Don't give excuses. Don't respond back with, you know, well, you don't listen either. No. Don't immediately flip it on the other person and put them under the microscope. You stay under that microscope, and you listen to what they have to say. That's what you would want someone to do for you. If it was reversed, that's what you would want as well. The second is don't ignore what they say, even if it's in the midst of conflict. Because even if they are angry and they're frustrated, like, Mom, you just always do this. Or I can't stand when you always have to tell me five times. And you, yeah, I know what your response is. Well, if you did it the first time, I wouldn't have to tell you four more times, right? <laughs> I know. 
But you know, the thing is, there is some truth to what they're saying. So listen for the nuggets of truth and then thank them. Thank them for sharing it with you and let them know, I want to I think on this. I want to chew on that. Don't ignore what they say, okay? Then you've got to make time to listen. We have all, in 2020, been many months, kind of been placed on hold. Everything that was making us super busy was stripped away. And we got down to the core of life, really, the essentials. Many have had the time to listen. Many have struggled through this. But wherever you are in in the phase of listening to this podcast, I want to ask you, are you making time to listen? Listening to the words, listening to the body language, what I call the silent language. What are they doing? How 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 are those around you? interacting with you? Do they feel they can talk to you? Do you feel you can talk to them? So that was three, four. Say no to scrolling through social media when your teen is around. Um, My husband put up a sign on our bedroom door that said phone-free zone. Uh, We have done fair with that, but I will admit social media online is where I, how I communicate with you. It's how I get the podcast out. It's how I enter answer your questions through social media. So it, it can be hard, but I want to give you a bigger picture here. When it has to do with your teen, if they always see you on your device, guess what you're communicating to them about parenting your future grandchildren? Think about that. Now, I know we're all working on our computers often. Now, if your job isn't in social media, then you may want to carve out a little bit of time, but set a, set a timer. Use some apps that help you track where you're spending your time. But when they are around, try to reduce the time that you're on social media and invest in the relationship. Use that for time. Instead of listening to the 500 friends that you really don't know that well, that you kind of know because you got to wish them all happy birthday or you got to make a comment or you got to post what you just did that day. Think about how many times you could be having conversations with your kids. I'm going to share, you know, that, that same child that, you know, we had that, I had that assumption and I've done it with all of my kids. He just happened to be the one I used in the book. Um, but I, I told one of my, I told my son uh, recently because he's getting ready to um, kind of transition in his own life. He's got, he's he's out of college. He's uh, back into work from this uh, situation, the COVID that we have been in, and the furlough and stuff. And you know, he's looking now. Okay, my next step, my next step will be to to move out. And I just went to him and I said, Hey, I just uh, want to plant an idea in your mind. You only have about X amount of weeks before the likelihood of you moving out is is here. And your siblings are over all the time. And because you're home, you don't realize how maybe you don't engage because, you know, you just kind of live here and it's not a big deal. They didn't come over just to see you like as if they were a visitor. And I challenged that child. I said, hey, I just want to encourage you to make meaningful connections 
and give the people that you interface with, aka your family, a reason to miss you, a reason to want to talk to you, show that you're involved and you care and are interested in their lives because obviously they've been a part of your life, your whole life. That's called making time to listen. And you say you can do that when you take, when you stop scrolling through social media, when they are around. Plan a special weekly or bi-weekly or monthly date night. You know, even if all you do is go for a walk or go for a bike ride, or you go work out together. I know the other night, our uh, we went. T- my husband and I went to work out with our daughter and her husband. That was a blast. I mean, it was hard. We were sore for like three days and couldn't walk. But it was time. It was time stepping into their world and what they're interested in. Which is the sixth thing, set aside time. It can be late at night. It can be early in the morning. It can be in the afternoon when maybe you have little children and they're having room time or they're taking a nap. It can be in the morning before everybody else wakes up. Each of your children are going to invite you into their lives at different times. So that's why I say you've got to make time. And you don't want to be so booked up and so busy that you don't have that time to listen. And the other thing, and, and parents have often asked me this when I say, you know, give your teens permission to look away. And they're like, what do you mean by that? Well, while they're telling you something, sometimes it can be hard for them to stare you in the face, you know, because we've raised our kids, look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you. That's a good practice. And yes, your children should look you and others in the eyes when they're being spoken to. But sometimes it's hard for them for various reasons. Maybe they're a a little insecure. Uh, Maybe they're a little afraid of how you might react. You know what? They could also be ashamed of what they want to tell you because maybe they want to let you know something they're struggling with and they're a little embarrassed or ashamed about it, but they know they need to talk to you about it. And looking in your eyes is almost too vulnerable for them. It's okay. Give them permission to look away, to look down, to look out a window. If you're driving in the car, to look straight ahead and just let them talk. And this is where it's really important. Just be quiet and listen. And just listen. And you know what else? You can use a soft tone to your voice. Now, on this podcast, it was probably hard for you to hear me with that, but that gentle, soft whisper invites them to go on a little further, to bear their heart a little deeper, to know that they can trust you with what they're saying, even if it's not what you want to hear them say. They may not be mature enough to just stare you in the eyes because you don't realize They want your approval. They want you to say, well done. (laughs) They want you to cheer them on. And sometimes they do things that you're not cheering for. And they know it. And you have to believe they don't want to disappoint you. But they are little humans that are trying to grow up. They're trying to become who God made them to be. 
They're trying to make sense of the world around them to learn how to process all the information that they're getting. And yet, they want to make the right decision, but they don't always do it. So there are five benefits of listening to your teen. It helps you understand their thought process. It shows value and respect to them. It provides useful information so you can articulate a thoughtful response. It teaches them to become better listeners. And that's something we often don't think about. You're modeling how to be a good listener. And the most important is it earns their trust. See, God has established us to have relationships and to communicate with each other. I encourage you to make that a focus. Practice your listening. Ask your kids, ask your spouse, how are you doing? And if you blow it, thankfully, you can go back and apologize and say, hey, can we? I'm really sorry about that. I'm sorry I accused you. I'm sorry I got mad when you didn't load the dishwasher for the 15th time. Or I am sorry that I just got all, over, got all over you for not doing your chores that you were supposed to do. And I thought you just ignored me. I'm really sorry because I forgot you had a test that day. Or you, know, you had other things. Or maybe uh, they, they had some other things on their plate that you weren't aware of. See, when you ask them, they'll tell you. But remember, your best response at first is no response at all. It's your job as the parent to guide them through the process of learning to listen so that they can learn to listen. They listen to learn so that they learn to listen to resolve conflicts and so that they learn what are the hindrances to learning. And then we have to identify those hindrances and deal with them. And we'll talk about the hindrances in another episode of Equipped to Be. But remember, you've got to listen up. And you've got to change your approach. And it can be hard. But it is doable and it is possible. And at the end of the parenting journey, your kids will look back and they'll talk about that. They'll talk about how you did listen to them and they will remember, they will remember incidents because just as you have defining moments in your life with certain things or events that happen, they are having the same ones, but they're on the childhood level. Model it, listen up and create deeper, closer relationships with your child and with those, all those that you love and that you have to interface with. It makes you more in tune with what's going on with others. So I appreciate you joining me for this episode of Equipped to Be. I hope you enjoyed the seven tips for listening better to your teen and really to others. Until next time, you have a great week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.